I mean, just be so good, people can't ignore you. <laughs> what is going on, futurists? This is Michael Sakond, your host and the founder and creator of our future or next gen business media brand that delivers exclusive insights and career advice to you so you can go out and unlock your future. And today, I have a crazy interview lined up for you guys with Andrew Sutherland. He is the founder and chief technology officer of Quizlet, the study tool that saved me from so many French exams in middle school. And it was actually the reason Andrew started it. He was 15. Okay, guys, Andrew was 15. He was a sophomore in high school and his French teacher was making him memorize a bunch of animals. So he built a website to do the flashcards to get that studying in. It's been a force in the world of education for years now. It's really disrupted things and really provided a lot of equity in the world of studying. It's a fantastic tool. He's brought so much value to this earth. In this podcast, Andrew and I chop it up to discuss how he started Quizlet at age 15, how Quizlet grew and evolved over time, what he's thinking about now, and why education policy needs to change. This one was fantastic. An entrepreneur who started a business at 15 and is still running it? Wild. And I just want to thank you guys. It is such an honor to be along this journey with you guys. Whether you've just started listening, this is the first time, or you've been along with us for the past 92 episodes, I feel so grateful to have you tuning into these podcasts. You fill me with passion, you drive me to do better, and I can't wait to have you guys hear this episode. You know, I guess just start off to say, I'm, I'm a little nervous, man, because... <laughs> I think I'm, you know, relatively entrepreneurial starting, uh, you know, a podcast at, at age 20 interviewing people like yourself, but you, you started Quizlet when you were 15 uh-huh. and you know, tell me, take me back in time, man. Where were you at? You were like, a sophomore in high school. And I had this really difficult teacher who expected us to learn a ton of vocabulary and grammar. And one night I was studying, uh, she had given us an assignment of 111 French animals that we needed to learn, and which was crazy. Uh, And so I um, was getting my dad to quiz me verbally, and I realized like that wasn't a very good system. He wasn't doing a good good job of like keeping track. Doing a good job. (laughs) Terrible pronunciation, Dad. Yeah. Uh, So um, so I had done some programming before. I I was like kind of. I was pretty into the WordPress community back then. Um, and I built some like plugins and themes and made, had my own blog and stuff like that. So decided to build this little website that would just have the whole list and just keep track of everything and show me them one by one. And so um, with that tool on my next test, I got like 100%. And that was the, the first time I'd ever done that. So I thought that was uh, sort of unique and special and, and potentially the start of something yeah. cool. Uh, and so I just kept working on it, got my friends on it. And uh, yeah, just kept kept sort of uh, building from there. Wow. So early to the game. I mean, <laughs> back in the blog days. Yeah, this is like, you know, like cards. this was 2005 and like, I'm pretty sure YouTube like <laughs> launched in like 2006. So yeah. like, this is like prehistoric era at this point. <laughs> was there anything out there in terms of like digital education? I mean, anything? <laughs> So, I mean, one of the one of the funny sort of business stories I have for this is that, you know, if I had done some market research, I would have found uh, a tool, a couple of tools that sort of existed at the time that did pretty similar things to Quizlet, but weren't as good. And I probably would have just used them and not started Quizlet. Uh, so it's sort of the the sort of lack of market research and just doing the thing that I thought should exist and just 
sort of focusing on that uh, is the thing that made Quizlet happen and then be successful. Yeah. You know, when did it occur to you that you'd start a, you'd build a business out of this little project? When, when did that occur to you? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, uh, I mean, a couple of years in, I, I incorporated, um, but the, the sort of notions of, of what the business would be, how it would make money were very foggy. And it's funny, like back, back then, this was like the sort of web 2.0 era, uh, which was this time when like Facebook was uh, yeah. like early and hot and, and they didn't have a business model. And, and everyone was just kind of like, you know, if, if you get like a bunch of users and you make something that's that people like, like, you'll figure it out later. <laughs> and so, which is like pretty different from, from how, how the business, like the software internet world works now. But so that I was kind of like down to ride that wave. And at the same time, I, you know, I was a high school kid. I didn't have, I didn't have bills to pay really. Like I had a, I had to pay for the server, but um, you know, there were, there weren't really like major expenses to, to run it my, by myself. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I was just like, I'm going to uh, get this going and then um, figure out how to make money on it later. Yeah. I assume the cost of acquiring users and just running the business was super low. Did you, did you ever need to take on, did you ever go through the venture capital whole Silicon Valley fundraise, you know, classic story there or yeah i mean you know, uh, until to? the last few years like quizlet had never spent a single penny on marketing and never i didn't even know what the words like acquiring users meant because it was all just kind of uh word of mouth and people just sharing it with their friends and um mm -hmm. and I, i've actually uh, seo yeah and, and seo as well a little um, seo too yeah um I've been I've been thinking about uh, since Tony Shea from Zappos passed recently been think, thinking oh, a lot about sure. that and he um, he put out this book delivering happiness which I read when I was like 18 or 19 and uh, just like you know in the beginnings of how I wanted to start this business and and what I, how I wanted it to work and how what the culture would be and all that and I think it I think it made a really big impression on me because he, his sort of whole idea was that you, if you just have really, really happy customers that you're really solving their problem, uh, and like, there's, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to like be your marketers and you, you can divert all of your marketing, the money you might've spent yeah. on marketing on just like making your customers really happy, responding to their support requests really quickly and just making a really good product. And so that's kind of the, yeah. the ethos that I carried into Quizlet. And I think that was successful. Yeah, a lot of the founders I've interviewed, just that laser focus on the customer that enabled them to win, right? Yeah. Just focus on the customer, the brands, the advertisers, what have you will come later. If you build something that people enjoy and come back to consistently, it's going to win. I mean, one terrible example of this is Quibi, which poured like 500 million bucks in uh -huh. the ads. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody even liked the products. And it was like kind of a weak idea. And I don't know. That's just not how you should do it. Like if you have something good, like it'll grow organically like it did with you. I mean, it's not like, you know, we've really advertised this podcast either and it's grown organically. So, you know, it's kind of just the way things. Yeah. Grow. I mean, I think there is, um, there is room for marketing and, and as Quizlet got um, yeah. bigger and the ambitions were higher and we started thinking about like, you know, how do we expand into new markets internationally that we're not in? Like, we don't want to take 
10, like Quizlet grew over 10, 10 years to a, a point or 15 years to a point where like it's, you know, dominant in the US now, but like, uh, are there ways to, to jumpstart that in international markets where that's not really true? Yeah. Like those were questions that we were asking ourselves a few years ago as we were expanding internationally. So there is definitely room yeah. for it, but you know, there's still nothing beats having just a really good product that people will tell each other about. Yeah. And use for free. That's what I always loved about Quizlet yeah. as a kid. Yeah. I mean, just enabled you to, to do well on tests without that barrier to entry. You know, you really, you really democratized, um, studying and education, man. I mean, <laughs> if you look at it like that, you, you know, it's a big accomplishment for, for the future of education. Thank you. Yeah. Just cause we, just cause we move quickly. Like, could you just give like the milestones that Quizlet hit like through the journey? So first, like you were focused on flashcards, then like, like kind of where, how did your thought process like expand over a couple different periods of time? Yeah. I mean, um, until now. So, I mean, the, the big milestones, like one was, um, dropping out of college in 2011. So that was six, about six years into it. I decided to MIT, right? Yeah. Um, I decided to leave and go full time. And that's, that's really sort of the big transition moment where it goes from being a project to like a real company where we start hiring people and really, you know, are all in on it. Um, you know, I think there were, there were some, the structure of the product, um, there were a lot, a lot of early decisions about just like, you know, making it free, uh, low barrier to entry, like you said, was a really important thing for me. Um, making it so that you could share content really easily. So, you know, it, it has a sort of natural viral thing where if one student uh, is studying for a class, there's probably 30 other students who have that exact same teacher, that exact same period, need to study for the same test. Uh, and so there's sort of, if you can get those people to uh, create the content for themselves, it's already useful for themselves. They don't need to share it with exactly. anyone. But then if they share it with the 30 other students, then it's just even better for everyone. Um, and then, you know, if you get teachers really bought in and excited about it, uh, then they, they will share it with all, you know, 150 or more of their mm -hmm. students. And then if they are really, really excited about it, they share it with, you know, five other teachers who have that number of students each themselves. Uh, and so you can imagine the, the sort of growth potential really, um, easily from that. I think one, one early transition in thinking was, uh, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was like, I think that, you know, I want this really to be about students. I don't want teachers to have any say in like how the product works or, you know, <laughs> what, what they think uh, or like it doesn't. It's a doesn't... Pink, pink Floyd perspective. <laughs> a little Teacher, bit. It's just like. Leave those kids. <laughs> yeah. Like the, I didn't want them to, um, you know, as soon, like students want, wanted to feel like this is a thing for them that helps them. And if it's like part of some, uh, system that the teacher is giving them, it, it sort of reduces the, the fun and sense of agency that you get. So that was my sort of initial thinking. And I think that that evolved um, to where I saw teachers actually being a really big part of the success and part of, um, part of how the product could be good, uh, which was just like, um, teachers want their students to learn and want them to enjoy learning as well. They're, they're aligned that way. Uh, and so the, the sort of magical uh, middle point is where you have something that students really love and feel like they have ownership of, but that teachers are also really excited to get their students into. And if you can sort of raise yeah. your level of thinking to that, then, um, 
you've got more buy-in from everyone and you're building a great product for both sides and, and it'll sort of feed off each other. Yeah, rise of the young, man. I love uh, the idea that you, as a student yourself, wanted to build a better product for students first. Um, you know, it's kind of the, the mentality we take with this podcast. Like this podcast is built first for young, aspiring leaders, young builders. And, you know, I'm sure it's digestible to older people. They listen. Um, but really, you know, yeah. we, we, we come from we come from that same perspective that you did with Quizlet. Um, so I'm not super versed on how Quizlet makes money because I've always been a uh, free user yep. and and I'm not sure I, if I ever paid for the service. So tell me a bit about this as a business. Yeah. So Quizlet makes money in a couple of ways. One is um, advertising. So because there's just a huge number of users and a huge amount of content they're looking at and spending time studying on, um, you can make a, a good amount of money advertising. Um, and then the second part is a subscription model where um, you pay as a student or a teacher for extra features um, and extra capabilities. Uh, and so the, the sort of core product is free, but uh, if you're a heavier user and you sort of really want the, the most capabilities, then you can pay for extra features. Um, and the, yeah. you know, the, the cool thing about the scale of Quizlet with, um, you know, tens of millions of users and, and having uh, just sort of the majority of all students in the US, uh, middle school, high school, college, all of them like using it every month is like, you don't need a crazy high percentage of them to pay for it to, to build a huge yeah. business. Of course, like, you know, an additional, additional percentage point could be tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions, which is great, but um, you you don't need it to, um, you can still serve a lot of people for free like yourself and and feel really good about that um, and, and also have a really great business along the way. I mean, just what I think is crazy is you started this business when you were 15 in 2005, it's 2020. So <laughs> I assume you're around 30 years old now, 30, right? yeah. You're 30. Do you still have the same passion and energy for this business as you did in the early days? Like that's wild, man. <laughs> you're still running the ship and yeah, well, you're like I, I've actually, you're so I've, removed. I mean, so to be, to be totally transparent, I actually uh, took a sabbatical this year. Um, so for the first time I've been sort of off um, from Quizlet and uh, stepping back and just sort of figuring out what I want to do with my uh, time. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I would say, even even with 15 years, the the sort of reason I I remained super motivated to continue going uh, was that the the sort of scale of of impact and potential is just insanely high. So, you know, we could build a a new game or feature on Quizlet, and and the majority of students would use in the U.S. would use it that month. One thing that I've gotten pretty interested in recently is. Um, education policy and um, and then that sort of led me into some some mm. housing policy stuff actually um, interesting which uh, was maybe a little surprising to me but I basically have uh, like when you look at uh, California for example where I live uh, we spend what's that and me oh yeah yeah I'm down here so, in Santa Cruz. I'm in Santa Cruz nice so California spends um, there's, there's sort of two, two numbers for how, how much California spends on education. Uh, one is something around 22nd out of 50 of all the US states 
which is the raw dollars we spend per pupil. And then, but if you adjust that for cost of living, we're something like 45 or something. And so basically that means that like California has this cr crazy high cost of living. And, you know, if, if all of that money uh, goes just like from teachers' pockets into like their landlords because it's super expensive to live in California, then like, you know, you're, the teachers aren't going to have a very good quality of life and all that. Uh, and so I think a, a major equity lever and major improvement to our system of education actually has a lot to do with how our housing policy works um, and zoning and, um, you know, fixing some things like Prop 13, which, which greatly um, both uh, defund education and uh, sort of create incentives for uh, real estate to not to be developed and, uh, and to lower density and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I've got I've sort of gotten more into this rabbit hole of like w the systems overall, uh, which yeah. is is a very uh, fun and and different world than like the sort of product development specific uh, thing, which is in some ways more fun because you can like control control it all yourself. Uh, whereas like when you start thinking about how do you change this like structural issue around. Uh, zoning policy. It's like, well, you have to pass laws. You have to convince a lot of people. Like it's a much more tricky thing. Yeah. Have you ever thought about making a run for political office in the future? <laughs> and you know, there's education secretary, all the sorts of positions that you could gain control of these budgets. So it's not the politicians who are making these choices. It's a, a technocrat like yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, th I've thought about it. I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? You'll figure it out. Yeah. Maybe you choose to. Maybe you choose to make a bid. Yeah. Um, so what's your piece of career advice to a young person just beginning their career? Man, you've you've grown up as a as a CEO, as a, as the founder of a company. Yeah, I, I would say um I mean just be so good people can't ignore you. <laughs> I think when you're super young, one of the things that you have that older people don't uh is time. And um, you can stay up really late working on something and just like really like sanding down the edges and making it feel extra good um, and testing it a lot with users. You know, as you get older, those instincts get better. So you can do that in a shorter amount of time. But like the, when you're young, you can like really just work insanely hard and, uh, when that's to me, when, when you build uh, the way you build up real talent and skill is from working really hard. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Andrew Sutherland, the founder and CTO of Quizlet, the study tool that has been so valuable to so many young people throughout the years and continues to be. If you guys could also toss me a little bit of credit and give me a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. I'll be coming out with more insane content this week. And as always, stay frosty, everybody. You got to do it. Peace.